tonight, I want to welcome all of our campuses to week three of our series entitled Hope Again. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Yes, we are excited. Well, I want to say we have got a real special treat today. You know, when I designed this series, by the way, every year in the very beginning of the year, we do a six-week series and it's called a spiritual growth campaign. And two things about it. One, we do the messages on the weekend. Number two is our small groups. And I want to say to all of our campuses one more time, how many of y'all are enjoying what's happening in those small groups? Yes? Man, we're getting some great reports. Stay faithful. Then after this, again, you guys can journey together. And also our daily devotion. Man, I want you guys to stay plugged into that. So we are in week three uh, today. And we're talking about the great exchange. Paul is dealing with Romans chapter 3, the back end of that, 4 and 5. And he talks about this powerful concept where, where Jesus takes our unrighteousness. God the Father takes our unrighteousness and places it on Christ. And then he takes the righteousness on Christ and places that on us. Christianity is way more than just being forgiven. That's a starting point. And I just thought this weekend, one of my dear friends who has a message on this, and by the way, and he, he'll dovetail together a book he just wrote uh, called Out of the Cave. Uh, it is a very powerful book, really uh, detailing his journey through depression and how he came out of it. And one of the things, and don't miss this, one of the things that really helped him is, is it understanding who he was in Christ. How many are grateful that Jesus does a great work in our heart? Come on and helps us understand who we really are. And so I am just thrilled to announce this weekend, uh, we have my dear friend Chris Hodges. Again, his bio was very long. I just wrote down a couple things. For those of you that don't know, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, originally from Bethany Church, moved in 2001 to Birmingham, Alabama. Yes, the enemy's territory. Can I have a gig? Amen. But wait, so wait. And he pastors the second largest church in America, 50,000 people. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? Isn't that powerful? Also, he's the co-founder of The Ark. They've just recently planted over 1,000 churches. We've been part of that for 20 years as well. It's an honor. Uh, Highlands College, he's the chancellor of that. Uh, again, I want to just say one more thing. How many of y'all have been through freedom groups, freedom ministry? Raise your hand. Okay. So Pastor Chris is the one that wrote that. I think we did his videos for eight years. We just last year, Pastor Danny did it. And so Pastor Chris is a dear friend of mine. has been a big brother, somebody that we've really modeled after and has been inspiring to us. And he's got a word week three. So I'm just going to ask all of us, South Louisiana, South Mississippi, come on, those in Georgia, why don't we just stand up? Let's give Pastor Chris Hodges, all the way from Birmingham, Alabama. Come on, give Jesus some praise, everybody. Come on, give Jesus what he deserves, everybody. All right. All right. Smile at your neighbor and show him your dental work. All right, everybody. God bless you. Yes, indeed. So good to see you guys today. What a joy it is to be home. Come on, everybody. I love Louisiana. I went to LSU. Go Tigers, everybody, right? You know it took an LSU Tiger to help them bammers up there, right, everybody? You know that. So I'm trying to do the best I can. Sometimes they're hard to live with. I'll just admit to that. But anyway, but it's good to be here today. And uh, I do uh, consider this a home trip. And uh, I love not only Louisiana, but I love uh, this church. I've been a part of this church. I feel like 
Uh, honestly, it was this church that inspired me to plant. Uh, it was about a year before we started in Louisiana. Uh, I mean, in, in Birmingham, Pastor Steve and a, another group of pastors, uh, we all had lunch together, and they were talking about their churches like it was Disney World, and I, and I was on staff at another church, and I'm going to tell you, it just jumped on me, the zeal and the passion, which, by the way, has never left your pastor. He is still as excited about this church and the Capital C Church globally than he ever has been, and, and I just love him for that, and of course, we've been friends for a very, very long time, so when he asked me about um, coming in and, and speaking this weekend. I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. And he goes, oh, but we're in a series. I'm like, fine, I'll jump into this series. And then he sent me this book and I didn't know it was like a theological study of the book of Romans. You know what I'm saying? It's, I'm like, okay, you need to cover all of this and these verses. And I'm like, okay. So I have, a, I have a disclaimer right at the beginning, everybody. All right. I'm not as smart as your pastor. Okay, everybody, just letting y'all know that. And so you'll need to go to, the, to your small group and watch the video he made on this topic. I'm gonna do the best I can, but y'all, y'all put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one, all right? I'm just a simple guy, okay? So this is, I'm just letting you know, lower your expectations, just lower them. We'll have fun today. Um, but I, truly, I really believe, honestly, I, and I'm, I'm kind of kidding a little bit, but I'm very serious about this. I truly think he is one of the brightest, smartest minds in the body of Christ. Like we're going through something or trying to figure out something, we call Pastor N. We just, Pastor Steve N., we just had him a few months ago as a consultant for something we were trying to figure out. How about we put our hands together and thank God for our pastor? Come on, everybody. You're the man, and I love you with all my heart. Okay, so there's one thing he didn't tell you though that I just like talking about because it's new since I've been here. It's been over five years since I've been here. And since that time, I'm a grandfather now, right? And so, yeah. See, the, who are, where are the grandparents at? Grandparents, grandparents, grandparents. They're, 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 see, they stand up, they cheer. You know why? Because grandkids are better than kids, everybody, all right? It's God's gift for not killing your kids. Y'all know that, right, everybody? It's true. And uh, so if you don't have grandkids yet, let your kids live. Better ones are coming. Just hang in there, every, okay? Just hang in there, okay? Um, and I love it. So if you, if you know uh, my family, I, uh, my wife and I have been married 36 years now. And um, I know, I know you're thinking like, he looks 36. I know. And uh, we were the biggest news of the third grade. Anyway, so, um, but, <laughs> so we, <laughs> kidding. And, um, but I have a daughter and, and four sons, five kids. And I always tell people I don't have five kids because I like kids, because I don't. I like my wife. Come on, somebody, right? Okay. <laughs> And uh, so, and that's another story. You know, Valentine's is two weeks away, and I can come back. I got stuff to say. All right, so, all right, um, but, 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 uh, but I have a daughter, then four boys, and then we had six grandsons in a row. So that's ten boys in a row. We hadn't seen a girl in 32 years, y'all. All right, so, um, and so, just as a few months ago, we had our first granddaughter our seventh and seventh grandchild, and now we have another granddaughter being born in, uh, any moment now. She's, she's actually almost about nine months pregnant, so anyway, having the time of my life, and I don't even know why I told you that, except it's just so much fun to be a grandparent. It just really is, you know? So, um, all right, so let's dive into this topic today, and this honestly is, this is deep into the pool stuff. So Pastor Steve literally gave me what I think is probably the toughest to understand text uh, in our study, and I've been right along with you, by the way. I have my book, I have watched all the messages. I just think this is rich, and I do wanna seriously say, there's a lot of churches in America that are giving 
people, great messages, but they're not deep into the pool messages. These are, these are, they're just nice messages and encouraging, but there's not a lot of meat on the bone, honestly, in my opinion. And you really ought to be grateful that you're in a church that takes a study like this to give you the richness and the depth of God's word in this kind of way. I mean, spending money on these beautifully bound books. There are now 83 churches that are currently joining you and hundreds others that are, uh, that are buying the books so that they can do these studies. So you're not even just impacting your own life and your own church, but this is literally going around the nation and the world. You guys are an influential church, and we ought to give God praise for that, everybody. Amen? It's pretty cool. All right, so let's jump into the text, and, and here's the thesis of what I want you to understand today. So let me tell you where we're going at the beginning so you know how to take the ride, okay? And that is... Um, that the Bible has a lot of things that are hard to understand. So, in, the, in fact, the text we're going to study, there are four words that you could grab a hundred Christians, you know, just you could grab a hundred, and not a single one of them would know the definitions, the true biblical definitions of these words. You say, well, PC, why? They call me PC at home, Pastor Chris. They say, well, Chris, why is that so important? Because it's going to expand your understanding and your view of what Jesus did for you on the cross, which you already have one. And I'm sure you're grateful for what you have. Like, it's helped you. And you're, you're grateful that he paid for your sins. You're grateful that you're forgiven. And he has. But he's done so much more that you don't even really know about until we get into the depth of these words. That he's actually done more. And what the net result's going to be, you're going to love him more. You're, you're actually going to fall in love with Jesus more when you understand how huge the, 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 what happened on the cross actually is for our lives. Are you following me, everybody? So I want you to go in with that mindset because here's what I say. If you could really see God as he actually is, you'd love him more. And how you view things will determine how you do things. Your, your view of God will determine your relationship with God. Does that make sense, everybody? So I'm going to help you expand your view. Let's go to our text, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. Here we go. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. And I would stop there and say, not to everybody. Like not, a lot of people don't know the depth of it. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. And that's us. We're the believers. For there's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here's our words, four of them in a row, being justified. That's the first word. Freely by his grace. That's the second word. Through the redemption. That's the third word. That is in Christ Jesus, and here's the toughest one, whom God set forth as a propitiation. Now look, everybody, if you don't learn anything else, you're going to leave here today with propitiation in your vocabulary. I mean, you might all throw it out sometimes with, hey, propitiation, mess with that, dude. Right? No, so I don't know, just like you're going to get a new word today. I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. I have a sense of humor. I'm so sorry. I just, anyway, forgive me. All right, so, all right. Set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. All these four words define his righteousness in us. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now that's a lot of words. And that's, a lot, that's really hard to understand. And I've grown up in church my whole life and I went... 
I went years, even in the ministry, where I didn't understand a, a lot of these words. Of course, I grew up with a very not great understanding uh, of things. In fact, I grew up thinking an epistle was the wife of an apostle. Anyway, so I, I really didn't know. And we, in fact, just a few weeks ago, we had, a, we had a girl came up at the end of one of my messages, and I was here on the front, just kind of shaking hands, hanging out with people a little bit, and she ran up. She was probably 25 or so, just all bouncy, and she goes, oh, um, I, my first time here, and I just absolutely loved it. I said, great. She goes, I just have one question. And I said, what's that? And, she, and, and I have a, 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 a monitor, a, a screen on stage so I can point to the scriptures. I like teaching it, like pointing out stuff. And so she goes, I loved how you used that TV on screen to show us the Bible. I said, yeah, I love teaching it that way. She goes, I just have one question. I said, what's that? She goes, at the bottom of the, of the words was always like a man's name and then some numbers and dot, dot, and some more numbers. And I thought she's messing with me. Like, you know what that is. Stop, stop. She goes, no, I have no clue. What is, what is all of that? I said, are you serious? She goes, yeah. She goes, I said, well, God wrote the Bible, but man held the pen. And so, so the, in the Bible, they'll attribute the chapter or book of the Bible of the person who was holding the pen, like if it's the Gospel of Matthew, God wrote it, but Matthew held the pen. And so they'll put his name on there. She goes, oh, that makes so much sense. She, said, she goes, but what's the numbers and the dot dot mean? And I said, well, all of the text was all together in the original manuscripts and hard to find. So they separated it into chapter, dot, dot, verse. She goes, oh. That's brilliant. She goes, did you come up with that? I said, I sure did. Oh, I got it. No. Um, I said, no, it's been there a little bit older than me. You know, and that's the point is you can love God, be in church, and still not know some things. And that's the beauty of a small group study, working it out with other Christians, coming to church. Come on, getting in the deep end of the pool. Come on, give God praise if you think that's an awesome thing. Yeah, I'm excited about it. All right. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you those four words and just give you my take on them. And then you need to go to the small group and get Pastor Steve's take on the same words. And it'll be similar, but he's just a little smarter than me. I'm gonna, I'll keep it really, really, really simple. And I want to give you the first one. And the first one is justified, being justified. That's justification. It means you're justified by faith. Now, what does that really mean? And let me just give you the simplest, if you're taking notes, and you might not even have to write this down. It's just, it's easy to remember because it's in the word. To be justified means just as if I'd never done it. You're justified. So when you take, what does that mean, Chris? That means that God didn't just forgive you of your sins. Watch this. He chose to forget it too. And that's big. Because if you've ever wronged someone, they might forgive you, but they know it's still what you did. They don't, come on, especially if you're married. Are y'all out there, everybody, right? Like they, they know what you did. So they're kind of like almost expecting you to do it again sometimes. Hebrews says, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So God actually chooses to not only forgive the sin, because a lot of people think here's sins, and then the blood of Jesus kind of covers it. But that's not what he does. He washes the sin away. Have you ever done one of those etch-a-sketches things where you got the two little knobs there? Kind of the greatest moment, because nobody ever gets the picture right the first time, is to shake that bad boy up, and you get a blank screen again. You need to know that the cross didn't just pay for your sins. He chose to shake it up and remember them no more. And that's huge. Because now when you come to God and you say, hey, Lord, I did it again. He'll go, what? What did you do again? 
Well, I did that when I, you know, last Sunday I was talking. You know, I did. He goes, I just don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. Because he has chosen to remember your sins no more. Psalm 103 expands on it a little bit and says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. And that just makes him an awesome God. Isn't that right, everybody? You know why? Because nobody treats you that way. Ain't nobody treating you that way. You mess up, and like, okay, I forgive you. You do it again, it's like, hmm. All right, I'm gonna forgive you. But now, like, we're on warning. This loser, he's, gonna, he's gonna do it again. And God, God doesn't, doesn't do that. And I do think marriage is probably, my wife can remember everything. She has this uh, annoying spiritual gift of memory. You know, like, we get in, in, into any kind of discussion, uh, i.e. argument. <laughs> and, and the girl can go back to 2003 on a Tuesday. It was a little cloudy, and you were wearing those brown shoes when you, like, I did? <laughs> you know, they say any married man should forget his mistakes because there's no use two people remembering the same thing, right? <laughs> Come on, man, I'm helping you out today, you know. In fact, I heard this joke. It says, a, it says, a husband found himself in big trouble when he forgot his wedding anniversary. His wife angrily told him, tomorrow there better be something for me in the driveway that goes zero to 180 in five seconds. The next morning, the wife found a small package in the driveway. She opened it and found a brand new bathroom scale. <laughs> And it goes on to say, visiting hours for the husband at the hospital are limited due to the extent of his injuries. So there, there you go, all right, okay. Come on, are you grateful today that God not only forgives you, but he's chosen to forget? That's, that's in that first word. <laughs> See, I, I told you, this is cookies, bottom shelf. Come back next week, you'll get it. It's gonna be deeper next time. All right, so all right, here's the second one. And a lot of people think they do know this one. So the second word in this text that helps us understand the full extent of the cross, because all of us have just some knowledge, but not all, is the word grace, grace. And grace means you have been granted God's favor for which you did not earn. The way I explain grace is this way, that it's the opposite of mercy. So mercy is not getting what you did deserve. But grace is different. Grace is actually getting what you didn't deserve. So when Jesus died for you on the cross, because we're talking about the gospel in this series, when Jesus died on the cross, we all think, okay, man, I, my, my slate's been cleaned. He's chosen to forget it, but Jesus doesn't leave it there. He also gives you other things on top of it. So now he's not just not doing some things, but now he is doing some things, and really it's favor. And there's a lot of words in the Bible that are all talking about this amazing grace of God. So grace, grace isn't just forgiveness. Grace is I have something else for you. Romans 5, which is also in our study this week, in verse 17 says this, for if by the, by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, I love this line, the abundance of his grace. So like, Jesus is not only motivated to clean your slate. Now watch this, everybody. He has stuff for you, too. The way I like to say it is the Hebrew word for grace and favor is the word selach. That's how you pronounce it in Hebrew, selach. And you got to do the little at the end, like you have popcorn stuck in the back of your throat, all right? Selach. And, um, and the word literally means, now watch this, that you are able to go certain levels in your life but God gets involved and pushes you further. Now, I'm on the receiving end of that because your pastor is naturally smart 
and I'm not, all right? You know what I'm saying? Actually, I, I was a C student all throughout high school and at LSU. I mean, I, I was just not the sharpest knife in, in the drawer. And, uh, and I, was, I didn't work that hard. I was actually not even that motivated. In fact, where are my C student people at? Where y'all at? Where y'all at? Help me out. Come on, help me out. Thank you. Love y'all. Uh, where are you A people at? A people, A people. Yeah, we don't love y'all at all. So um, <laughs> always messing up the curve and everything. Stay home. Be sick one day. Just one day, all right? So um, anyway. Um, in fact, my oldest son, I told you I have five kids, my, my second child, but oldest son, his name's Michael, extremely smart. So never, never, ever uh, had straight, he had straight A's uh, his whole high school time, went to college, um, and, and did his undergrad in three years, all A's, got an MBA. Like the dude's smart. He made a 33 on his ACT. He got a full ride academic scholarship uh, when, he went, when he went to college. And I'll never forget the day, we just happened to be in the kitchen when he got his final uh, report card uh, for high school. And I'll never forget, we were all standing around, really not expecting it, and he was opening up the mail, his mail, and he, and he opened it and goes, hey, Dad, look, my report card, my final report card. And he looked at it, he goes, look, Dad, look, Dad, all A's. I never made a B in my life. I said, that ain't nothing. I never made a B in my life either. Just hush. Get, <laughs> get on out of here. I don't need to hear from you. And so, <laughs> and I'm, I'm convinced that God has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. God, I'm telling you, I'm not standing here because I'm smart. I'm standing here because of the grace of God taking this C student, come on everybody, and pushing him forward. You wanna hear another funny story? I failed my speech class at LSU. <laughs> I didn't go to the University of Connecticut, y'all. I went to LSU and failed. We don't even speak English at LSU. Come on, everybody, right? <laughs> In fact, I went to my professor at LSU. I said, please. I, I literally got on my knees and behind his desk and please pass me. Please don't make me stand up. And I only had 30 people in the class. And I was nervous to stand in front of those 30 people. Look what the Lord has done, everybody. And this ain't Chris Hodges. Come on, this is the grace of God. And you need to know it's available for your life too. My goodness, could Jesus do all of that on the act of the cross? Yep. So if you all say, well, he died on the cross to save me from my sins. It's more than that. He didn't just save you from your sins. He shook your life up and cleaned the slate and chose to remember it no more. And then he comes along and says, and I want to now put some grace on your life, and you can only go to here, but he'll push you forward. Y'all, I'm the chancellor of a college now. Get you some of that, English teacher. Where are you at, right? You know what I'm talking about? I'm so sorry, Pastor Steve. I love it. It'll get serious and deep next week, y'all. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. Here, here's the third word. Okay, so now I'm just trying to tell you the fullness of the great exchange, the fullness. Pastor Steve calls these the building blocks of the great exchange. That they, add, in other words, you have it at this level, but I'm gonna put some blocks on it today and let you know how big the cross actually was in your life. That he justified you, cleaned your slate, forgot it, just chose to forget it. He pushes you forward with his grace. The third word, a lot of people think they know what it means, but it's even bigger than you think, and that's the word redemption. That Christ paid the price for your sin to bring you, and this is the key phrase, back to God. And when I say back to God, back to God's plan for your life. Because here's the deal, now watch this. A lot of us, we were, in fact, all of us, were headed in the wrong direction when God found us. So I was definitely heading the wrong direction. And I was all over the place. 
And then I got saved. And you think, okay, well, now I'm saved, justified, and now his grace is pushing me forward. But here's the question. He's pushing you forward in what direction? Back to God's original plan for your life. So he's not just a saver. He's someone who gets involved in your life and makes sure that your feet are put back into the original plan for, God, for your life. That's what the word redemption means. It, means. it literally means to put you back as he bought you back. So he has now an interest in taking your current Christian life and not just forgiving your past, but also has, he speaks to your future. And he puts you back into the original intent. And I don't know if you know this or not, but God has always had a plan for your life. Let me say it this way, and I'm dead dog serious. God's called you. You're as much a part of God's plan as any minister, any person. God, there's a place for you in God's grand design. It's a puzzle piece that is only made for you. you he has a plan for your life, and he wants to redeem you back to that. Someone there at 39 says, all the days ordained for you are written in God's book before any of them came to be. So there's a book on your life. Now, we all added chapters that God didn't write. Come on, say amen right there. But listen to me, he has this unique ability to make the last chapter still fit. So can you get to Birmingham through Dallas? Yeah, that's not the best way to go. But a lot of us headed to Dallas with our life, completely the opposite direction of God's plan for our life. But God has this unique redemption ability to take whatever direction you put your life in and get you back to your original intent. And that just makes me love him all the more. Are y'all with me, everybody? This is huge. Colossians 1 says it this way, verse 21. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works. That's headed to Dallas, right? It's the wrong direction. Yet now he reconciled. That's the same word as redeemed in the body of his flesh through death to, I love this line, to present you holy. And by the way, holy doesn't mean perfect or sin-free. Again, a misnomer of words in the Bible. Holy, the word is hagios in the original text of the Greek, what the Bible was written in. And hagios means set apart for something special. It's the same word you would use like for your fine china. I don't use it for everything because it has a special design purpose. You're holy. You're called for something specific, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. And that's why, listen to me, I, that's why every one of you need to go through the small group study because it's not just so that your knowledge of the Bible gets deeper. It's so that now we can work it out and there's people, this is how it should happen in the group. Hey, I see something inside of you. Yeah, what do you see? I see this on your life. And I think you need to go after God with everything that's inside of you. And now we're working it out with each other and we're helping each other get to this grand design. Y'all y'all with me, everybody, yeah? Because we're working it out. And that's why I'm just going to just, your pastor didn't ask me to say this. I'm just going to say this. I'm encouraging all of you, stay faithful because of the process, what it's going to do on the inside of you. Stay faithful to church. Grow. In other words, grow. Grow. Have, have, come in kind of soft, like, like clay, and allow God to mold you and put you back onto God's plan for your life. Get involved in groups. Talk about your habits and everything, your addictions, the things that keep us from God's best. And grow so that we can get our life back on track because God wants to redeem us. Come on, everybody. Say a good amen. All right. Here's the last one. And the last word is the toughest word of all. And that is propitiation. 
Propitiation. What in the world does propitiation mean? What well, literally means that your debt has been paid for by Christ, but it's even a little deeper than that, and that is also that the wrath of God and the anger of God because of our sin has been satisfied, watch this, past, present, and future. So he just takes care of it all in one act. In other words, the bill, the way I say it is, here's cookies on the bottom shelf, your bill's been paid forever. It's completely paid. You'll never owe anything before God ever again. Your bill, past, current, and future has been paid for forever. Because <laughs> see, what people don't understand is they think that when we sin, it just makes God not so happy, and then we say we're sorry, and he goes, okay, it's okay. That's not it. The Bible says in our text this week, in Romans 6, for the wage of sin is death. Let me say it this way. Sin has a price tag attached to it that you can't change. Now get ready for this. And the price is death. And you can't change that either. Let me say it this way. That means somebody has to die. So you can't forgive your way into heaven. You can't apologize your way into heaven. You can't attend your you, you can't attend church to get to heaven. You can't read your Bible to get to, there's, you can't get baptized to get to heaven. None of that works because there's, those are good things to do, but it doesn't pay the bill. That's like going out to eat and saying, well, I, have, I have some bananas here, will that work? No, 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 they want money. They want one thing, right? You, you can't do it with other things. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So hell's not a place that God sends people to that he's mad at. Hell's a place that people just pay their own bill. But you don't have to, because <laughs> it's been paid. And now again, that makes me just love him. Are y'all with me, everybody? That just makes me love him all the more, that the wrath of God has been eternally satisfied. And that's my take on those four words. Say, now Chris, what, 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 are, you, what are you trying to say? How, and, my, and how in the world could that fit into a, a book on depression. I started this depression journey, um, actually my first time ever, I've only had been like, what I felt like clinically depressed twice in my life, one in 1999 and actually one in 2020. Both of them I tell the story in the book and I'm not the depressed type as you can see. The glass is not even half, half full, it's, it's always overflowing full. I'm just, that's the, my personality. But I went through two very dark times and the first one I really, really hid. No one knew. It was, it was, it was a year-long battle, uh, and God brought me out of it. And I never really thought about it again. Uh, but in 2018, um, a couple of pastors took their lives in America that I did not know at all. And it, but it impacted me like we were best friends when I read their stories. This is in 2018, and, and I thought, my goodness, this is, seemed like it was a growing epidemic. So I brought my, I'm embarrassed to say this, my very first message ever on the topic of depression to our church. And it became the most rewatched message times 100. And I thought, well, what a bad pastor I am, man, for heaven's sakes. This is something that they, they needed this much and I wasn't really helping them. And that's when I decided I would go on a two-year research and writing project. And when I say research, I studied secular psychiatry, 
I actually met with psychologists and psychiatrists, went to clinical uh, doctors, trying to understand, because I knew God would have an opinion on the topic, and it would help. But I also didn't want to be that, hey, just come pray for you. I will pray for you. You'll be fine. You know, like, I wasn't going to be that either. And so I just loved the, the process. Ended up writing this book, and of course, I, I used the life of Elijah, who in 1 Kings 19 went through literally clinical depression. In fact, doctors say there's about nine major causes of depression, and Elijah did six of them. And so I, I talk about it. I shared my own uh, study with it and just try to help people, really help people, like really help them through this. And, and, and God does have some real solutions for it. And what's so cool is not only he did the six things that cause depression, but he did five things to get out of it. And clinical psychology and psychiatry has all proven, validated these as real solutions. So these aren't just biblical, like these, God always knew. I love it when science really figures out what God always knew. And, um, and so it's there though. And so I outlined these solutions and how they worked in my own life. And then in the middle of the writing project, I actually went through my second bout. Because it was in the year 2020 and a lot of things were going on. And I'm very vulnerable this time about that journey. And it literally was the darkest cave I've ever been in in my life bar none. And I would have never taken my life, but, um, but I was ready to commit ministry suicide. I was done. And I was just done for a lot of reasons, but I was just done. And it was a very vulnerable place for about five weeks, honestly. So I'm very vulnerable about that uh, in, the, in the book uh, as well. But what's so interesting is I wish I had time to tell you about all the solutions. And the, the story is brilliant in the Bible. But the third of the five solutions in Scripture is that, every, and every doctor confirms this, it's how you see yourself. How you view things determine how you do things. We have such, we have two dynamics going on in the world right now, poor self-esteem and narcissism at the same time. That's a terrible combination. And then we have this, we have what doctors call self-talk, actually psychologists call it rumination. And rumination is where you counsel yourself and you heighten your distress. So it's bad, but we make it worse with every thought. Well, I'm gonna work this out myself. Worst thing in the do. You're your own worst counselor. And so we try to work it out. They call it rumination because that's what cows do. Cows are ruminating animals. They chew the cud. So they eat grass. Come on, y'all live in the country. Where y'all at, right? They eat grass, chew it, swallow it, throw it back up in their mouth, chew it some more, swallow it, throw it back up in their mouth and chew it some more. Now, how many of y'all know every time it goes down and comes back up, it ain't coming back up better. It's coming back up grosser. And so do your thoughts. And the young people call it processing. I just need time to process. I need the processing. Like, you know what? You know, do some, like chew it one time, but you ain't supposed to bring it back up all this, all this time. It's dangerous. Because we don't have a, a clear understanding of ourselves and of our God. And that's why we're diving to the text and helping this Bible, this gospel, come alive. Like, oh, I knew the cross was awesome, but I didn't know it was that awesome. Yeah, it's that awesome. So I'll close with the story. I write about it in the book. True story of a lady named Marina Chapman. She lived in Columbia, South America, and at four years old, she was abducted. Uh, she remembers, sketchy, because she was four. She remembers a hood being put over her head. She remembers a sweating arm grabbing her and tying her hands behind her back. 
she remembers some kind of chemical that made her come in and out of consciousness. And he, he, she remembers being drugged into the jungle. She remembers the branches and the, the plants scratching her arms as she was being drugged. This man violated her in every way, left her for dead, four years old, left her for dead, naked, blindfolded. She somehow is able to get, rid of, get the ropes off of her. This is all verified in her best-selling book, A Girl With No Name. Uh, National Geographic's done stories about her life, but she, no one came and found her that day. So the first night she talks about in the jungle was horrifying. You can imagine the sounds and the craziness of the jungle. She lived to the next day. She says actually the second night was worse than the first because she was convinced somebody would come and nobody came that whole day. And that second night, now she's terrified that this is, this is it. I'm, I'm here forever. And the third day, this phenomenon happened. A troop of monkeys came through into the jungle, and they were very hostile toward her at first, kind of clawing at her. And, but then they got comfortable around her and just started foraging for food. And after they finished foraging for food, they left her. They actually left some food. They don't, she didn't know if they did it on purpose, but in their foraging, they didn't, take, they didn't eat everything or take everything. That's actually what kept her alive that third day. The next day they came back and just treated her as normal. So she just decided, I'm going to follow them wherever they go at night. She didn't want to be alone. After a few years, she had the strength and her body grew. She actually survived years like this and ends up learning how to climb trees and ends up living in the trees with the monkeys. She wasn't there just one year, y'all. She, she was there 10 years. She's now 14 years old and she thinks she's a monkey. She was living what I call a monkey see, monkey do existence. Who she thought she was, wasn't who she was. And no one ever told her the difference. And then one day at 14 years old, she sees something shiny in the, in the jungle floor, climbs down and goes to it and it had eyes and she ran for her life. But when it didn't move anymore, or didn't move, she went back to it, picked it up, and she realized those eyes were her eyes. She had found a mirror in the jungle. For the first time in her life, she was given a gift to let her see who she really was. And she didn't have all the answers, but she knew she was not who she had been around. I don't know what I am, but I know what I'm not. And she, was, she talks about how dissatisfied she was being around the monkeys all of a sudden. She was eventually found by a group of hunters, um, and she now lives in London, by the way, and has grandkids, and her favorite hobby is climbing trees, okay? So, um, but it took a mirror, I call them mirror moments, and you're in one. You're in a moment where God has given you the gift because your pastor loves you so much to give you a picture of things that everybody else glazes over because the words are so big. Let's get on to something easier to understand. Say, no, 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 how about we slow down and do six weeks over eight chapters and really 
see who we really are. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 that we behold the glory of God as looking in a mirror and we are transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. And that's what's happening. And that's why we can call it hope again. Come on, put your hands together and give God praise that he's doing a deep work on the inside of us today. Just bow for prayer. Just stay seated. It's quiet just for a moment. And let, let's let the Lord speak here just for a moment. God's here. And I want you to think about your own life and just think about how much God wants to do in your life today. And Lord, I pray for this amazing church. I'm so grateful, Lord God, for the study that we're in. Lord, how it's changing our lives. And I pray, God, that everybody under the sound of my voice at every one of our locations all across this region and Atlanta and New Orleans and every place, God. God, help us to grow. Help us to fully understand who we are and who you are. Thank you for these mirror moments, Lord, so we can become who you've called us to be. Before I leave, I'd love to pray for anybody here who says, Chris, I just need God. I'm ready to take a step of faith, put my faith in God today, or for some of you to put your faith in God again. Some of you, you've walked away from the Lord. You're, you know, it's just mediocre. If you're honest, you'd say, you know, it's just, it's all right. It's not what it should be. And today, God's drawing you supernaturally to himself. I'm not going to have you stand up or come down to the front. But if you're here and want to be a part of this closing prayer and say, Chris, I'm crossing the line of faith. I'm, I'm coming to God or I'm coming back to God. I just know it's not right. And I'm ready to give my life to the Lord without hesitation at every one of our locations. Would you be so bold to lift your hand and say, pray for me. I'm ready to take a step toward God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yep. Yep. Anybody else? Yep. Yep. Thank you. Just lift it high. God bless you. I see a couple putting their hands up together. God bless you. Just, it's time. It's time for me to grow. It's time for me to know God and give him my life fully. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Just be bold with it today. Be bold with God today. Put those hands down and every voice, let's pray along with them as a show of support. And would you please do me a favor and pray it in full voice. Come on, every voice say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, paying for my sin and all that you did for me on the cross. Today, I give you my life, everything. I believe you are the Son of God. You are the Lord of my life. I believe you died and you rose again. And today, I put my faith in you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. I give you my life. In your name I pray, amen. And amen. Come on, give God a great praise together, everybody. God bless you. Man, what an amazing message from Pastor Chris Hodges. I don't know about you, but I feel encouraged and challenged and so excited for everything God has for us in the future. But I wanna take just a minute right now and acknowledge those of you that maybe you said that prayer today to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. We want to congratulate you and celebrate with you because we believe that this is the best decision you could ever make. Yes, we are so excited for you, like Christian said, and we want you to know that we have resources for you. So please let us know if you made that decision today, please text the word decision to 822-822 and we'll get those resources to you and someone will follow up with you. 
Well, guys, with that, we are gonna go ahead and wrap up our time together here today. But I wanna encourage you, man, we still have a couple more weeks of our Hope Again series. So let's make the commitment right now to finish strong because I believe God has so much more in store for us that he wants to speak to each and every one of us over the next couple weeks. And with that, we love you guys. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.
Thank you.